I want you to understand that the consequences of building wealth is a lifetime of freedom. I want you to normalize freedom. I want you to normalize opportunity. I want you to normalize execution. Because when we do that, we set a different precedent. Are you the outlier? Are you the person that has the keys that frees your family? Because I took, I took sole ownership of it. I took that responsibility. I bared the burden. I said, you know what? I'm going to put my cousin on. I'm going to put my little cousin on. I'm going to put my daughter mama on. I'm going to put my friends on. I'm going to bear that burden. And I understand that they don't have the information. So now I got to keep learning so they can have, so I can rob them of the excuse of saying, well, I don't know what, I want to rob my people of the excuses. To all my people that rock with trapping tools, just welcome, welcome, welcome. This is live. We're in Atlanta. Everybody give a round of applause. I love it. 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 And I, and I want us, I want us to understand the importance of what we're doing here tonight. I want us to understand that this is not just, this is not just us gathering to be motivated. This is us gathering to get some money. And in my heart, I feel that, you know, I have what it takes to deliver a message that can help us move the needle to make some money. I want us to embody what it takes to make some money. How can we live in a society of trillion dollar companies? How can we live in a society of men worth hundreds of billions of dollars and we okay with living check to check? Why is it? Education, one of the biggest debts to society that America has. How can we be okay with onions and herbs when there's manna falling from the sky and there was land of milk and honey? I want us to understand that we have to eradicate what we have normalized and what we have championed and we have to negotiate a new contract. And when I say negotiate a new contract, I want us to look at the things that we say is success. I want us to look at the people who we say are successful. I want us to look at the harsh truth and I want us to understand that we owe a debt to our forefathers and our foremothers because they had a vision and we have fallen short of that vision. That's a harsh truth. It's time for us to reaffirm certain values. It's time for us to reaffirm certain blueprints that we have. It's time for us to do that. And I want us to understand that there is a freedom, there is a wealth equality, and there's a liberation that we are all entitled to once we access a certain amount of information. Now, as hard as that may sound, we are all capable. As 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 brutal, as gruesome as a reality that all our people have went through, I want us to understand that we are in position, we have more access to information than any generation that came before us. I want us to understand that our fathers and our mothers did the best that they could do for us, no matter what color you are, but understand that a working class poor is a working class poor. I want us to understand that check the check is check the check and it's bare minimum. 
I want us to understand that we have the opportunity to leverage not just our lives, but we have the opportunity to change the dynamic of our family. And we have the opportunity to turn our last names into assets, but only if we take the opportunity series. I want us to understand that we have normalized a privilege but we haven't taken full advantage of it. And I know we tune in every week and I understand that America always puts things in front of us to, to, to make us smile and to make us spend money. But at what point do we have the discipline to say, I see beyond it? At what point do we transition from being a financial prey to being a financial predator? At what point do we say that no longer will I be the person who lives from check to check? No longer will I be the person who was a part of the 61% of Americans who don't have $10,000 saved. No longer will I subscribe to that. The same way we unsubscribe to certain YouTube channels, the same way we unsubscribe to Netflix, the same way we, we got to unsubscribe to certain behaviors, we got to unsubscribe to certain mindsets, and we got to break ourselves free. There's a structure that we must put in place. There's an opportunity for us to take advantage of. There's a position that we must be in, but we can never be in position because we are around people who making a lot of noise. And I'm going to tell you something. It's hard, no matter how much information you have, it's hard to be the difference maker in your environment if you are always subscribed to the noise. The noise is loud. The noise changes our perspective. The noise plants the seed of doubt. The noise makes us become normal to what everybody else is doing. How do you separate yourself from the noise? And so every time we come to trap and tool these, I want to be the person, y'all heard me say before, I want you to be the person that you come here and now you put the cotton in your ears. I want you to understand that this is an opportunity like no one else has had, but I also want you to understand if you blow the opportunity, then the opportunity then becomes adversity. The opportunity then becomes a challenge. The opportunity then becomes an anchor. The opportunity then becomes missed. And if not you, then who? I want you to ask yourself, if not me, how many generations will come after me before there's another opportunity? So when I look at myself, when I look at Trap, I had to look before me and I said, I saw what my grandmother did. I saw what my mama did. I saw what my great-grandmother did. Damn, it's my turn to do something different. My grandmother went to prison. My mama went to prison. I went to prison. That means I got a daughter. That means prison don't discriminate. If I don't do something right, what that mean for her? So I had to be the disruptor. 
I had to change the norm. I had to change the mindset. I had to change the blueprint and I had to change the actionable steps that's being taken. My question to you is, are you that person? And if you aren't that person, where does your family be if you do not take action? It's not about motivation. It's about me planting a seed to make you know you are the one. And I, I'm not, I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've been through in life. I want you to understand that you can alter the facts. I want you to understand that you can rewrite the future. I want you to understand that the consequences of building wealth is a lifetime of freedom. I want you to normalize freedom. I want you to normalize opportunity. I want you to normalize execution. Because when we do that, we set a different precedent. Are you the outlier? Are you the person that has the keys that frees your family? Because I took, I took sole ownership of it. I took that responsibility. I bared the burden. I said, you know what? I'm going to put my cousin on. I'm going to put my little cousin on. I'm going to put my daughter mama on. I'm going to put my friends on. I'm going to bear that burden. And I understand that they don't have the information. So now I got to keep learning so they can have, so I can rob them of the excuse of saying, well, I don't know what, I want to rob my people of the excuses. I want to rob them of the excuses. I don't want to give them the opportunity. I don't want to give them that advantage of saying, well, this is, because a lot of us lean on that. So what if I met them in prison? So what if I dropped out of school? So what? What is the hand that you dealt? Poke is a game of bluffing. And I'm going to be real with you. They done bluffed a lot of us off our square. They done told us a couple stories and we done bought into the story. Because if you tell a lie long enough, at some point, somebody going to start to believe it. How many lies have you accepted? So tonight, I want to ask you the question, are you... Are you the one? And if you are that one, I want you to stand on it. And I want you to stand in it. And most importantly, I want you to represent it. Tootie, turn the beat up. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tap into this. Episode 54. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Tootie's my seventh grade friend, man. Since the seventh grade, I've been rocking with this dude, man. To my people on YouTube, what's up? Let's get it poppin'. George, how you feeling? We on tour. Tudor, how you feeling? We on tour. Dave, how you feeling? We on tour. Jose, how you feeling? Okay, Jose always got the energy, y'all. I want you to understand that this is not motivation. I want you to stand understand this inspiration. I want you to understand this transformation. I want you to understand that this is liberation. I like that. I just came up with that. It be coming to me like that. Right? Transformation means we go from where we are, we go from who we are, and we go into something new. I want you to kill the gazelle and give birth to the lion. 
Yeah. I want you to kill the gazelle. Y'all know E.T. my mentor, so I'm going to use this metaphor in a way, but I'm going to use it a little different. E.T. say every day the lion gets up and he chases and the gazelle gets up and he runs. For me, I studied that a little bit more and I realized that even when the lion don't make the kill, the lion gets the data on the things that the gazelle likes to do to get away. And once the lion takes in the data, now he can cut the gazelle off. Now she can cut the gazelle off. And so now when the gazelle hop, the lion wait for it to go low. The gazelle only knows escape. The lion understands attack. I want you to understand that every day you got to get up and attack and not run from. You got to run to. That's what I learned. So every day I get up and I'm like, yo, I'm chasing this life. Every day I'm in chase mode. Every day I'm in conquer mode. And then one day me and E.T. were talking about something and he told me about the, the most successful hunter in the wild is the wild dog. And I said, well, damn, I need to understand why is the wild dog the number one hunter? I'm thinking the whole time it was the lion. And so me and Jose in a group chat and I done went to look up the stats. I said, Jose, here's why the, the, the lion, the, the, the wild dog is the number one because it don't hunt by itself. As a matter of fact, it hunt with the most. The lion is, if we being realistic, the lion is like number eight on the list. Because even though the lion hunts in a pack, it only hunts with like eight. The wild dog hunts with 30, 60. But I dig a little deeper in that. I say it gotta be more than just the numbers. And here's what I learned. The wild dog has a 90% ratio of not just devouring the prey, but from a wealth perspective, the wild dog doesn't kick nobody out of the tribe. I say, that's it. I say, Jose, that's the glue. Because even as a lion, once the lion gets too big, the daddy kicks him out. Because you're you going to challenge me. You're going to challenge me to take over this pride. The wild dog said, nope, I need you to be here. I need you to go on the hunt. I need you to get bloody. But also, I need you to understand what it takes to keep the family at the top. And it made me realize that on our journey, a lot of our parents, well, not mine, because my mom was in prison, but we heard to get out of my house at 18. We heard to get out of my house at 21. As a 40-year-old adult, I'm just not understanding, like, what the hell an 18 or 21-year-old gonna understand about living? So I learned from the wild dog right in that moment that family is everything. I understand that if I get the information, I gotta pass the information down. Because the lion, yeah, it gets the, the information to the other lion, but then you got to leave the house and go get it on your own. The wild dog said, nope, you get the information, you stay in the family, so when I'm gone, you can keep passing the information down so we can stay the number one hunter and not the lion. I said, oh, that's big. I said, that's big. But the next thing I learned that was important was a family that eats together, eats together. I want y'all to listen to that. So the wild dogs, when they go hunt, 
they break down the food equally. So even when they go make a kill, even the little puppies get to eat the same with the big dogs get to eat. But their goal is to hunt multiple times a day. So that tells me something too. They ain't never satisfied to everybody full. They ain't satisfied to, like, I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to spoon feed you. I want you to feel what it's like to have a heavy belly. I want you to feel what it's like to when we take advantage of the opportunity. I want you to feel what it's like to go hunt and eat, but just cause you fool, it ain't enough. We gotta make sure everybody eat. I want you to understand whether it's the male or the female, everybody gotta eat. I want you to understand just cause you've been doing this a little longer than me, that you, I ain't above you. Everybody eat. What the lion does is the big dog get the majority share. So not everybody else is workers. That's not equality. That's how you build resentment. So it's the reason why he got to kick the other lions out. Because he know, because you've been spoon feeding me, when I get the opportunity, I'm going to kill you. I don't care how old you is. But the wild dog said, because you fed me, if something happened to you, if you can't go hunt, I'm going to still make sure you eat. Jose, I don't think they got that. I want you to understand that because I got the information, I said, cuz, this is how you eat. And I got mad and we wasn't eating. I just put a text. I said, if you in this family or if you in this group, if you not making money and I got people that's in my groups making money, you either got to get out of this group or you got to start making money. You got to get off around this company or you got to start making money. You can't be a part of this bloodline. You can't be a part of this family and saying, I don't know how to invest. You got to get out. Because either you don't want it or you lazy and that ain't, we ain't got no, because we got to hunt together. And we only as strong as the, the weakest liability. And I want you to see me doing it. I'm going to give you experiences so you take pride in going hunt. I want you to fly first class everywhere we go. I want you to eat at five-star restaurants everywhere you go. I want you to drink different things. I want you to understand there's honor in going hunt. I want you to get used to something. I want to change your palate up. Because now you're going to take pride in the hunt. The wild dog is going to always be the number one predator in the land because they take pride in the hunt. Tootie, let's go. Ooh, I'm on it. I'm on it. Episode 54, let's clap for y'all. I like it. All right? So listen, to all my people on YouTube, if you're new to this, if you're fresh in, man, look, take a seat. We at home. If this is your first time trapped with me, you in the audience, man, welcome home. I hope this ain't your last time. If you've been traveling with me on episode 54, if you've been trapping with me for a while, man, welcome back. We got some food. We got to go hunt, y'all. We got to go hunt, y'all. All right, so I'm going to look at this camera right here. I'm gonna look at this camera right here because I always gotta look my people in their face. So y'all know how we start off. Y'all know we start off with this, with this mantra. And I created this because I felt like we all needed something on this journey that we can recite and that we know are 
It's paving the way and it represents where we going. So if y'all with me, I think Dave, look at Dave, man. That's what I like. Let's go, man. I am certified. Well, oh, they put their hands up. That's what I'm like. Stop, damn it. Hi, man. I am a certified Wall Street trapper. I am confident in my ability to make great investments. The stock market is a machine that prints money, and I am more than capable of operating this machine. Not only will I free myself, but my family will eat for a lifetime based off the information I apply today. I'm a money maker and a wealth builder. Let's just stop. Let's just stop. Let's I just want to stop right there. I'm a money maker and I'm a wealth builder. I want y'all to know what that means. I want you to embody what that means. You ain't just a money maker. You a wealth builder. And that's a whole different category. That's a whole different mindset. Y'all with me on that? Y- y'all with me on that? Yes. Y- y'all with me on that? Yes. Let's go a little further. Today, I break the chain. Say it again, say it again. Today, I what? My ancestors will smile now because I've turned our last name to an asset. My family's purchasing power will increase indefinitely. Today, I make the declaration no longer will the generations behind me no longer. I am I am I am and Wall Street looks like us now. Let's go, man! Dude, turn the track up! Turn the track up! Turn the track up! Turn it up, baby! Ah! Let's go, boy! Let's go, boy! Let's go, boy! Let's go, boy! Let's go, man! Ooh. Let's go, son! Give me something! Man, yo, how that felt, y'all? I'm not gonna lie, y'all. Like, just hearing y'all say that, did something to me because when I created that I was chanting to myself I was like today I was like I am turning my last name into an asset I am the architect that I am made my blood boil I'm not gonna lie y'all I got a chip on my shoulder I got a chip on my shoulder because this information changes families. This information changes generations. This in- in- information changes blueprints. Why we ain't had that information? I felt some kind of way about that. Because I know a lot of people that died broke. And if they had this information, it would have been different. I know a lot of people that was working a lot of jobs that if they had this information, it was a game changer. And I got even more mad because I understood that they made this information difficult to understand because they didn't want us to play the game. And now that we in the game, it's a whole game changer. Let's go, y'all.
right? So let's get into it, man. I know y'all tired of me talking like that. I be getting in my bag sometimes. Jose always tell me. At some point, too, they're going to be on the screen. Y'all ain't going to see it, but he's going to say, hurry up. Matter of fact, Dave, when Tootie make that picture, put itself right here. I want the people to see what I got to see when he do that crazy stuff. You know what I mean? All right, let's get into it, man. So we got our word on the street. Let's start it with this, y'all. So watch this. The Dow Jones was up today. It was led by Caterpillar. And I'm going to talk about something today, too. I'm going to talk about new leaders. It's important that we understand what the market is rewarding and who the new leaders are because we have to pivot with the market. We cannot stay in the old space while the market is transitioning into something new. Do we understand that? Like we can't, we can't stay, we can't, if the market ain't rewarding it, why are we staying there? Now, I always talk about having multiple portfolios. One of, wait, 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 wait. My people at the top, what's happening, y'all? My apologies. The lights is bright. I love y'all, man. I love y'all. So one of the things I always talk about is having multiple portfolios. So one of the portfolios I have, and it's, it's my uh, Roth IRA. And so I always think long term with that because it allows me to pay taxes on the front and everything behind the Roth IRA, everything behind that is tax free. Right. That's one of the ways we buy back our time. One of the next portfolios I have is my primary account. So I'm thinking three or five years in that account. So I'm always doubling down. That's why I really focus on buying assets at a discount price. Right. And I'm, ad I'm adamant about that. Another one I have is my dividend account. I haven't got it all the way up yet, but that's another account that I'm going to add to my recession portfolio. And I'm going to show you all that every week, too. I always like being transparent. So I'm going to show you all. Y'all get to watch how I successfully put this portfolio together. Um, the next thing I have is the recession portfolio, which is me making short term bets on the market. Right. So with the recession portfolio, I'm basically holding those for 12 months and I'm looking at what the market is rewarding. Now, if you in the workshop, not on the YouTube, in the workshop, once we finish trapping tools, I'm going to get straight to that. We're going to finish the options thing and I'm going to show you all exactly how I beat the market last year and how we beat the market this year. And I'm going to take the guessing out of it. Now, here's my only thing to y'all about that. If you're not seasoned, I don't really want you to focus on that. Does that make sense? They're like, man, I don't want to hear that trap. You tripping. You got to the money. I'm getting to the money. I'm going to do what the hell you do. You ain't my daddy trap. <laughs> And that's my only requirement for that is so one of the things in that in that in that when y'all see the recession portfolio, Dave, I sent you the recession portfolio, right? Um, you'll see like in the group, somebody was like, trap, like a couple of these companies, they were they weren't at a discount. And I was like, I know I'm buying them because I want to take advantage of what the market is rewarding. This I'm I'm actively managing this. And it was like, man, I don't know, trap. And then they see the stock up like 10%. And they like, oh, I get it now, trap. And I'm like, it's okay. But what happens is for every portfolio I have, there's a different mindset behind it. And there's a different set of rules we play by. Jose, we got 2,000 people in the chat. Let's clap for that. Um, and then the last one is the options portfolio. Whether you day trade or whether you do leap options, that's my thing. I'm not a day trader because it just go really, like that's a little, uh, I like to put time on my side. And, and when you play the leave option game for six months, eight months, 12 months, 
so forth. It may cost me a little more, but because we cost a little more, we put time on our side. Jose, let's drop the chat for the Patreon. If you're in the Patreon, you made some money. Let's put some flames in the chat. If you're in the Patreon, you made some money. Let's get a big wee trap. And one, two, three. Ooh, that's my Patreon peep. If you're in Trappers Anomaly, I can't leave y'all behind. I can't leave my Trappers alone, you feel me? So definitely let's get that. So today, let's go a little further. All right, so the NASDAQ was down. As you can see, um, today, uh, a lot of our big techs went down. For all my people, we got out the Tesla option trade. We made a lot of money. Thank me. Thank me. Thank me. Right? They're like, damn, why are we getting out of it, Trap? I'm like, because... One of the things I talk to my people about all the time is, trap, when do I sell a stock? And the same thing is with the options play. Trap, when do I sell it? When the reason why we bought it no longer exists. When the reason why we purchased it no longer exists. This is why in the beginning we talked about having a structure. So one of the things I do is, so watch this. We was in the Tesla play. We got up over 200%. But then Tesla said it had good numbers. But then Tesla said, yo, our margins are slowing. And um, once the margins slowed, we understood that margin slow and production went down just a little bit. So what is that? A story change. And when the story changes, the market don't like that because the market loves consistency. The market loves growth. So anything that doesn't add to growth or anything that disrupts consistency, the market will not reward it. So I say, hey, y'all, let's get out of this right quick. It was at 167. Now it's 162. Will we get back in it? Probably. But I got to wait. Does that make sense? So when you when you think, and when do I sell a stock? I want you to tell yourself, did the story change? Did the reason why I purchased this stock or this option, is it no longer there? And if it's not, it's okay. Listen to me. I want you to understand something. There's nothing wrong with taking a small loss and it damn sure ain't nothing wrong with making some money. Ain't nothing wrong with taking a small loss if you're down because I would rather you take a small loss because the story changed while you was in it and you took a little L than you taking a big loss because you being stubborn. And I would rather you take profit and give up on a stock. I don't care if it's 10% than you trying to hold it and wait till it bounce back just because we out six to eight months. Why be on that long? The story changed. Don't be stubborn. Watch this. Even with people, once a person tell you who they are, what you trying to change them for? All right, we're going to go. We ain't going to stay there too long. <laughs> Stepping on my toes with that, try. All right, let's go a little further. So here's what I want us to look at. What we had, Dave? Click it. All right, so watch it. Let's get to the recession portfolio right quick. Um, boom, here we go. As we can see, right now, we up on the Apple Play. We still, we lost 500. Well, we, the market took $500 from us today. Uh, our Google Play, all my Google people, we still up uh, $10,000 for me. Uh, that go both our meta plays. Look, Facebook's still running. Now, I'm going to tell y'all something. Even when I play options, I will be in a play two times. I don't have a problem with being in play twice. As you can see, I'm in a Facebook play twice. I'm in an NVIDIA play twice with two calls. For the, for the Facebook play, I got a January call and then the stock, I put a new position. I reached it out to February. Why? Some new news came out that I knew was going to add to it. Make sense? I'm okay with being in a play twice. That's, that's a whole bunch. It's a whole lot of money in there. Let's print some money. Print some money. 
As you can see, I did the same thing with the NVIDIA play, um, the SMH play, and I think we got one more play underneath that. But there you go. As you can see, I want, you to sh I want to show you something. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays, all seven plays will make money. This is what we call professional money printers. We're making money. Now, here's the crazy part. The Google Play, imagine seeing it down $10,000 and not paying again. Imagine being down $10,000, but because the story didn't change, I didn't change. Because Google ain't come out with no bad news, Google actually had good news. What am I running from? The market just going through something. Understand that the market going to go through situations. It's on you to be able to increase your mental, financial fortitude so you can go through that situation with the market. Does that make sense? That make sense? All right, cool. Let's go a little further there. Boom. So right here, we're going to get into the next um, part of the portfolio. Give me a click. And I, and I, oh, all right. I want to show you all the percentages. So one of the things people always get on me about, and I don't know why we do this to ourselves. We got to stop saying this, y'all. And I know it don't be y'all. It be like haters. They be like, well, you put up way more money than me. That's why you made that much money. And I'd be like, why are you pocket watching? First of all, why are you pocket watching? The second of all, this is a game of returns. And I always like to show percentages. So watch this. If I'm up 200% and I had $100,000 and you up 288%, but you use $1,000, are we not both still up 288%? Does it matter how much I put in and how much you put in? If Warren Buffett up 288%, my 288% don't mean nothing. He's going to laugh at it. But I ain't comparing myself to Warren Buffett. I'm Wall Street Traveler. Here's what I will tell you. If you start with $1,000 and you up 288%, guess what? That's more money than you had when you started. And here's what I will tell you. And, and, let's, and, and started, the only time I took money out of this account when I bought my trip to Aruba. My trip to Aruba got paid for through this. But watch this. The goal for me is never to take money out this account. Why? Watch this, y'all. Because my goal is to turn one contract into two contracts. And I won't go from two contracts to four contracts. So right now, in this Google, in this Google, in this meta play, I bought 40 contracts. I ain't start there. But I also never took money out. I want you to stop taking money out the portfolio every time you make some money. Because the goal is okay to make $100. It's okay to make $200, but the goal is to go make $200,000. But if we keep taking money out the account because we need the money, how can we grow the account? The goal is to scale the account. Am I making sense? We can't scale the account if we keep on taking money out of it. Am I making sense? So I want you to get into the habit of when you get the profit, use the profit to scale. Here's my goal. We got 40 contracts. That's my new normal now. My new normal now is 40 contracts. But in 2018, 2015, I was buying one contract and I was making $100. My line cuz. I was excited about them $100. Maybe like 2016, I made $500. I thought I was the richest man in the world. Because I made $500 that I didn't have to go work for. Ain't nothing like some money you ain't had to go work for. 
And so when I made $1,000, I was like, oh, I know the game now. The game is just to not take the money out. Watch this. When you stop investing with money that you need, your money can start making money that can supply your lifestyle. Because you invest in the money that you need, you're scared to lose the money because you need the money. But when you invest the money that you want to fund your future, you understand that I don't care if I lose it. The money was there to build for me anyway. When you switch that mindset, when you click that switch, I promise you, you're going to make more money than you ever made. Because watch this. You can have okay information, but solid confidence and execution and make more money with, than a person with good information and bad execution. Does that make sense? Because the person with good information and not the right execution, he, he or she cannot execute even when the stars line up. They're going to second guess themselves. But the person with decent information, but the confidence to execute, you're going to make more shots than that other person. They're going to be watching while you cashing out. And that's where I'm at. I got more confidence than the people around me. And I'm not talking about my peers here. I'm just talking about people who want to play the game. My confidence is just better than them. So because I got the confidence, I can execute with my eyes closed and be all right. The plus part about me is I got, I got confidence and information. That's deadly. That's how you go into the market in a recession and beat the market by 16%. That's how you go to the market in a recession and still make $300,000, $200,000 in the options game while 90% of Wall Street losing money. I ain't just talking about individual investors. I'm talking about fund managers down by 90%, down by 80%. They still charging people 4%. Confidence. You know why most of the people on Wall Street sitting on the sideline? Because they're too small for their own good. They still saying, it's a recession, it's a recession. I'm saying, even though it's a recession, guess what? It's money to be made. Because even in a recession, that's when the, that's when the wealthy people of America make the most money. Let's go a little further. I hate when I get in preaching mode. I actually don't hate it, but you know. So here's the recession portfolio. We up 22%. We was up 26%, but this guy dang on Crocs is making me mad. It's an amazing company. But for some reason, like, this is the most, I don't want to use the word emotional because I don't want to trigger nobody, but this is the most weirdest stock I've ever purchased because this stock here, this company can be up $8,000 one day and then tomorrow it'll be down $3,000. And I still don't understand why. But it's an amazing company, has great management. The market just deals, chastises it a little bit different. But here's our recession portfolio. This is the stocks, everything in here. It's a 12-month hold for me, but everything, I ain't trying to hold it if I don't have to. Watch this. ATKR is a good stock. CELH, that's the energy drink. Amazing stock. Costco, Crocs, Eli Lilly, Lockheed Martin, Meta, NVIDIA, SAIA. Dang, I put y'all on that. Damn, my people on Patreon, my bad. I was supposed to hide that for another two weeks. Dang. We all eat. I like the attitude. So this is a great, this is a great company. So I put it in a Patreon group maybe like two weeks ago. I think it probably, when I put it in a group, it was 393. It's 432 right now. They've been eating. Um, and then TPH is a, is a real estate builder. And then we got VTRX. Let's go a little further. All right, so let's get into the information. August. You up with your funky, mm. 
How many of y'all saw this picture before? Yo, when I saw that, I was like, yep, that's the one I want right there. That was my dog. All right, so let's get into it, y'all. Watch this. Here's what I want you to understand. So this month here is going to be kind of crazy for us. August and September are the top two worst months in the market. Write that down. If you're in one of the groups, I want you to understand something. I'm not mad at you if you take profit this month. I'm not mad at you if you take profit this month. Because I don't know how ugly it's going to get, but we do for a 5 or 6% pullback. And it doesn't make sense to give the market all that money back. But I want you to think about something. I want you to always think long. I want you to think bullish. And I want you to think low volatility. Here's why. Right now, I always talk about the VIX. Right now, the VIX is still at a 13. That is really, really low. How many of y'all know what the VIX is? All right, so the VIX measures the volatility in the market. So when you see the VIX is low or the VIX is high, I want you to understand that when the VIX is high, that means the market is really, 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 really volatile. When the VIX is low, that means the market is really, really greedy. Does that make sense? What the? Does that make sense? Uh, We're going to get it before the night over. All right, so the VIX is at 13, which is really low, so I'm not scared. I'm not worried. I'm not in... In the type of, but here's how I want you to look at it. Remember, August and September are the worst two months in the market. August and September are the worst two months of the market. Do we understand that? So now that I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this. If you're, if, if I'm in a recession portfolio because I won't beat it for the year, I'm going to thug it out. If I in, in an options play, even though I'm out January and February, if I get two sideways months, that can actually take away all my profits. That makes sense? And so I don't want to give the market back everything I made. So if I'm only up like 5%, 10%, I'm not mad at you taking a little profit, even if you got it out to February, because I don't want you to go in the hole unnecessarily. Am I making sense? This is how we understand how to feel the market out. And when we go back to, hey, and when we go back to the workshop um, information, I'm going to show you all how to understand what the market is rewarding. So once we understand what the market is rewarding, we know how to pivot. Does that make sense? All right, cool. Let's go a little further. All right. So it's just that. So I want y'all to show y'all something, right? So the S&P 500 for the second quarter of the month of July, the S&P is up 3.1%. Now, if y'all remember, probably in episode 47 or something like that, I was like, yo, July is always a hot month in the market. I always try to tell you this because if we can understand the sentiment or the feelings that's in the market, we can understand how to play the market. Right. So if I know it's July is always a good month, this is why we made three trades in July. Y'all with me? Why? Because historically, now history ain't always repeats itself. But historically, July is always a hot month. So that means what? I can be more aggressive because I know August and September is always the two worst months. What that mean? I'm going to be more conservative. I'm probably not going to put no option plays in the group for the next two months. I'm going to just watch and see how the market plays itself. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to force the market to do nothing. I'm going to be like Terrence Crawford. I'm going to be a good counterpuncher. Take that how you want. And when I start beating up on the market, 
It is what it is. All right, watch this. 71% of stocks are higher. And watch this. In July, 34% of the market return was in, st- was in tech stocks. So that tells us that there's another 70, 66% of the market that's running. That tells us that the market now is getting returns from everywhere else. Does that make sense? Like right now, what I'm teaching y'all and what I'm talking about is understanding how the market moves. Your dad is your best friend. This is the blueprint for you. So if I understand, watch this. If I understand that the market has another 64, 66% of the market that's up, that means I can go look at other places. I can go say what trap, what a market is going up at. Here's what I learned. The market is going up in energy. The market is going up in industrials. That's XLE. That's XLI. That's the two ETFs. So now for you as a trapper, once you understand where the market is rewarding, now you go do the, go look at those industries and see where you can make great investments at. God damn. Somebody on somebody DM me one day and say, Trap, when you start hitting that pin, I know. They say, Trap, when you start doing, hey, Dave, put it up. Put it up. This is what I got to deal with. <laughs> this is what I got to deal with. Man, it's everybody says shoot it, toot it. Man, leave him alone. There we go. <laughs> All right, so because we understand it, so now if I can see this, so you're going to say trap. Where do, where do you get this information from? Well, simple. I'm after every month or after every quarter, I'm gonna go just put in a Google search, use a smartphone to do smart stuff, right? I'm gonna go use instead of instead of <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of using the Google for all the crazy stuff we be Googling, like use the Google for yo, what stocks, what sectors return the most this month, this month? What what sectors return the most this quarter? It's going to give you that data. I'm not smarter than y'all. I promise you I ain't. I promise you I ain't. So watch this. Contributions from the top 10 stocks, 34%. That means the other 400 and something stocks in the market and the S&P 500 gave us 60 something percent of the returns. That means the market is doing what? Shifting. It rolled tech for a little while. Now it's going to shift. All we need to do is see where it's shifting to. Once we see where it's shifting to, we can be a part of the shift. Am I making sense? We don't, we don't got to try to be guessing. Let's go a little further. So watch this. So now I got this from CNBC. They put this up the other day. They said, what's the, more, what's the normal after a five-month run? Because the market has ran for five months in a row. Watch this. The average return for the next three months is 6%, 3%. The average return for the next six months is 6%. And the average return for the next year is 12%. So it says that if we don't just get a recession, which I already say we've been in one, but if the market don't just do something crazy, it tells us that in the next three months, we can see a 3% increase. In the next six months, we can see a 6% increase. And in the next 12 months, we can see a 12% increase. How do we do that? How do we judge that? All right, cool. I want y'all to do something. If you ever looked at the S&P 500 and you saw the numbers on the side that say like 4,700, 3,700, y'all saw that before? So those are called basis points. 
right? Those are called basis points. This is where they're getting the 3% from. So here's what I want you to do every, I tell you all this all the time, but nobody don't pay attention to me. Here's what I want you to do every month, every Monday. When you start off Monday, I want you to write down what the market opened at. I want you to put S&P 500, NASDAQ, Dow Jones. When the market opens that Monday, I want you to write those numbers down on the side. When the market closes that Friday, I want you to put those numbers down on the side. And I want you to understand if the market went up or down in that week. Y'all with me on that? That's how you going to gauge what the market is doing. They're not gauging individual stocks. They engage in the indexes as a whole. Am I making sense? If we can understand that, if we understand how the market moving, we can understand how to play the game. Let's go a little further. All right, so watch this. So now, because they understand that the market is now doing what's called, they are now anticipating what's called a soft landing. So now they're anticipating that, yo, you know what? This market might be running. So now what they do is they change their outlook. So prior to the Fed putting that return up, they were saying the market could be at 4,400, 4,600, 4,000, 4,000, 4,700. These are banks. Now, because of what's going on now in the market, they see the market doing better. Now they change the outlook to what? 4,900, 4,800, 4,600. 4,700, 4,800. Is that a declining market or is that a market that's going up? Going where? Because right now the market at 45. What I just figured out was now every time the S&P 500 hits a little bit above 4,600, it always sells off. I'm going to give you two, two things that I just realized because I'm a data person. Anytime the, the 10-year bond gets at 4%, the market always sells off. Every time the S&P 500 hits 4,600, the market always sells off. So what does that tell us? That tells us if the S&P 500 can break 4,600, we might get a good run. Oh man, I'm tapping that pin again. Now, anytime the S&P, anytime the 10-year bond, the 10-year notes get to 4%, the market always sells off. Why? Because that is a, a in, that is a realm of uncertainty. That means the market is going in the wrong way. Anytime the long bond is giving you a lesser return than a short bond, the market gets scared. It's called inverted yield curve. Y'all with me right now? Am I making sense? Am I making sense? One of the things I want y'all to understand is I want y'all to understand the things to look at. If I can show you what to look at and if I can show you what to identify, now you can play the game without me. I'm going to keep it real with you. My goal is to teach you, but my goal ain't for you to need me. I don't want you to need me. I want you to be able to identify without me. I want you to rock with me because you just be like, yo, trap that guy and I won't rock with him. I don't want you to rock with me because you need me because then you become dependent on me. And what's my favorite saying? If you allow them to feed you, you get them permission to stall you. If you depending on me, you giving me permission to stall you. Don't give me that permission. Don't give me that. Because some days I'm not going to want to do nothing. And now because I ain't doing nothing and you press, now you mad at me. Trap, where the play is at? I don't know. My play is already running. Where your play is at? I got in the group because I was waiting on you to put the play. Well, I found out on day trade. I found out trade when I feel like it. I trade when things line up. I trade when I understand. I'm, watch this. 
I trade when the possibilities and the probabilities are in my favor. Because what the market loves to do is the market loves for you to put the favors in its position, in its favor. And when you put the market in favor, the market will eat you alive. We trapping or we trapping? Let's go a little further, man. All right, so let's. I, so I've been doing a little homework. For me, I'm a data person, and I like to see what's feeding the market. So one of the things that's feeding the market is a soft landing, which means lower inflation. Um, another thing is job growth, and the next thing is interest rates are stabilizing. We'll talk about that. Another thing is earnings are stabilizing, and PE ratios are expanding. What does that mean when PE ratios are expanding? They mean they are growing. Multiples are growing. If multiples are growing, if companies are earning more, then that gives the market and the people who love the market more confidence. When the market has more confidence, they put more money into the market. If they put more money into the market, what does the market do? Let's go a little further. All right. And so what will keep the market running? More data to support a soft landing, which means interest rates. I want you to pay attention to interest rates. Earnings are keep getting better and rates remain stable. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Even though August and September are the worst months, watch this. If we can keep interest rates around three, I mean, inflation around three and interest rates coming down, the Fed will not do a rate hike. If we don't get a rate hike in September, we probably won't get another rate hike until the first quarter of 2024. And if we don't get a rate hike for until the first quarter of 2024, that means we're going to run the rest of the year. So now, go back, Dave. Go back one more. That means the 49, the 48, the 47, the 48 going to look real good. So the rate hike now marries the data. Does that make sense? If the rate hike marries the data, or the no rate hike marries the data, that means the market going to print a lot of money going up. Did that make sense to everybody just now? So the rate hikes are the catalyst to if the market is going to run or not. And that's tied to strong jobs and inflation. Am I making sense? I'm not trying to turn y'all into economic economics majors, but you need to understand basic economics so you can understand what making the market move or not. Right, you need to understand the ingredients. So when your grandma gave you that 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 recipe, she ain't really give you the measurements because most of our great grandmas they ain't measure nothing. They just said we measure for taste. What you doing with that Pyrex? Not what you think. <laughs> I just flame it just now. I just flame it just now. I just flame it just now. All right, then let's go a little further. Go a little further. All right, boom. We are on a crash course to somewhere. Because this ain't right. Now, watch this, y'all. The U.S. national debt is up $1.8 trillion since the debt ceiling crisis, which was a couple months ago, which was July 1st. Right. So how the hell did we add $1.8 trillion in that fast when it took us eight years? It took us 209 years to add $1.8 trillion. Now we just did it in eight weeks. I want you to sit on that for a second. It took us 209 years to add $1.8 trillion to the U.S. debt, but we just did it in eight weeks. I need you to understand that this is unstable. I want you to understand that we're on a head-on collision for something that ain't good. 
But the person who has the assets in play and the person who knows how to play the market, you're going to win regardless. But I'll never want you to get blindsided by the market. I want you to pay attention to what's ahead because if we can pay attention to what's ahead, we can be, we can prevent it from, from it affecting us like it's going to affect everybody else. I'm not saying that real estate is not a good asset class to have, but what I do want you to understand that if you can play the stock market, then the stock market can feed every other asset class that you're going to get into. I don't never think it's an either or. I think to really build wealth, you need to have both. Is that making sense? So when somebody starts fussing with me about real estate better than stocks, I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm not even, I don't want to argue with you about it. Like, because you got everything in your mind that can support your argument. I have stuff in my mind that can support my argument. Why we can't just have a portfolio full of both of them? But what I will tell you is this has the lowest barrier entry and the highest return. What I love about the real estate game is America gives us the most benefits for owning that. Whether it's tax breaks, whether it's the ability to leverage, you can leverage your real estate in a better way than you can leverage a stock portfolio. Now, you can borrow against your stocks, but I don't want to borrow against my stocks when I can just have real estate and do that. That makes sense? I just want us to play the wealth game. Let's go a little further. So watch this, man. Amazon has to change the game. They've mastered the delivery game in a way that nobody else has. Watch this. Amazon just said so far this year it has delivered 1.8 billion units to its prime members the same or next day. That's four times what it delivered at those speeds in this point in 2019. Here's what I want you to understand. Nothing in this game that a business does is for fun. This is Amazon's side hustle. Their true business is the web service. For fun, they challenge Walmart. For fun. Like, you know what? We ain't doing nothing else. We just going to, for fun, we going to challenge Netflix. This ain't even our main source of income. But Amazon has such an amazing business model, and this why I love the company. This why they got a dope business model. For one, 48% of the government uses Amazon Web Service. That's their biggest business. Nobody never thinks about that. They're the most used web service in the world. Watch this. Number two, what they do is they don't own but 20% of the stuff that they sell. And number three, they came up with Amazon Prime and unlike Netflix and unlike Disney, they tied the Amazon Prime subscription service to TV to the Amazon Prime delivery. And so now what happens is it's hard for Wall Street to judge them on subscribers for the TV because they got it tied into you buying Amazon for the next day. Watch this. Most people get Amazon Prime for the delivery. The TV subscription is a plus. But guess what? The stock market is going to run on Amazon Prime, the TV, because it's baked into Amazon Prime, the next day delivery. Did that make sense? Golly. So while Netflix is, is judged by how many its subscribers it has for the TV, Amazon doesn't get judged by that. Remember, we talked about what moves the stock. So Amazon going to be judged on its AWS and cloud business 
more than it's going to be judged on its subscribers to Amazon Prime. But the plus is they get to throw Amazon Prime in there and boost the stock. That's the cheat code for them. Does that make sense? I think some people still are trying to grasp that life. I don't know, child. They be selling everything. They do. But also watch this. Amazon is so dope. I want you to understand what the business model looks like. Watch this. Then the next thing they do, because delivery is such a great business for them, they decided to go build out facilities so now that they don't have to use UPS or FedEx, so now they became integrated vertically, not only in the web business, but also in the delivery business. Let's go a little further. So then they purchased three pharmaceutical companies, the Pill Pack and two other pharmaceutical businesses. And then when they purchased Whole Food, the goal now is to put the prescription, the pharmaceutical businesses inside of Whole Foods so now they can challenge CVS and Walgreens. We talking about a company that's about to be real dangerous in the next five years. I like that. I like that. I like that. Mm. I like that. That's, that, that's when I, yeah, that's when I, that's when you, you was like, hold up, hold up. That's what I love about that business. Here's what I want you to understand. When you invest in a business, don't invest in a business that does one thing good. Invest in a business that does one thing great, but does a lot of other things good. That's a business that's going to be around for a while. Prime example. The reason why I said Apple stock a day keep the poverty away. Why? Because they sell you iPhones at a really good rate. They so good, they can sell you the same phone for four years in a row and increase the price and we ain't going nowhere. But then they just choose to have this thing called the app store where they don't got to do nothing but have the housing platform and charge everybody on the app 30% of what they make. And then they decide to say, you know what? We got this thing called the cloud. And if you got the phone, you may as well have the computer and the watch and the headphone. It's because everything is tied to that. You probably ain't going to go nowhere anywhere. They decide that they can lock us in all type of ways. How many of us pay money for the, the music and you'd be like, bro, where that $9 going at? Why is they charge down? What happens is they've allowed, they've tied us into so many different components of their business it's, watch this. I'm going to keep it real with you. It ain't even that I want to leave. It ain't that I don't want to leave, but even if I leave, it's an inconvenience to me. It's an inconvenience. I wouldn't know the first thing how to put my information on a cloud on Android. Do they got a cloud? Shots, 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 shots. That was good. That was slick, though, Jose. All the Android people gonna unfollow me. I shouldn't waste my damn money coming to this show. Let's go a little further. All right, so here's what I want you to understand how rate hike works. And it's important because I talked to y'all about that, right? It's how rate hikes work. It's important that you understand this. Right. I don't want you to be like economists. I think that's the proper word for it. Where my small people at? That's the right word. There we go. Y'all got to hold me accountable because I will make up a word in a minute. And I will say it like it's a real word. And stand on it. So here's how this works. Central banks raises interest rates and then the banks charge more interest. 
So understand that the interest rate, you should get this book. It's called A Creature from Jekyll Island. I told everybody to read this book. If you get this book, you will. Um, it's a big, don't get me wrong. It's bigger than two Bibles. Read it proportionately. Right? So watch it. Interest rates. So now the customer now, the customer spending weakens. Why? Because the interest rate goes up, your dollar has less value. Boom. Fewer customers take out loans. More customers' interest rate goes up on credit. All this is tied to interest rates. The national, a national decrease in disposable income because America is a consumer-based economy. When people don't have money to spend, people hold on to their money. That affects the economy. A demand for goods and services drop. Why? Because people don't want to spend money. So now people like Walmart, Best Buy, Target, they got a whole bunch of inventory that they cannot sell. You with me? So when they can't sell their inventory, now they try to sell it at a what? Cheap price. When they try to sell it at a cheap price and people still don't want to buy it, that's a problem. Boom. Businesses make less profit. Demand decreases. Stock markets fall. I just gave you a whole blueprint on how the economy works and how the economy now affects the stock market. Y'all with me on that? I just go a little further. All right, so watch this. These are this world's seven, um, it's called a G7. So these are the seven countries that are economically more mature than the rest of the world. It's called a G7, right? So it's, uh, United Kingdom, Italy, Germany, France, Japan, United States, and Canada, right? So you can consider these as the big dogs of the world based on their functionality. Here's how inflation looks around the world with these seven countries. Canada is the lowest. Uh, United States has gotten it down. Japan, um, France, Germany, Italy, United Kingdom is still high. This is important for you to understand is because how interest are, how interest rates are and inflation is around the world helps us now understand how we can invest around the world. Here's what I want you to understand. As you get better, I want you to start investing in other places outside America. Yeah, that makes sense? Like as you get better, I want you to start investing in other places outside of America because while America is going through something, Canada may be booming. Germany may be booming. Here's what I didn't learn. I learned this two years ago. Over the last, from 2018 to 2021, the Jamaican stock market has been the best performing stock market in the world. You got to learn how to invest outside of America. Let's go a little further. All right, watch this. So I always want to show us something. Um, for all my people who in the beginning, we talked about those runners. Remember we talked about those in the beginning? Well, watch this. ETFs can be a real easy play for y'all. Remember, I told y'all about that, right? Here's how the here's the top four performing ETFs this year: um, the I, the AIQ, the WTAD, the IRBO, and the ROBT. Up forty six percent, up forty one percent, up thirty four percent, up twenty nine percent. Why did I show you this? Because you don't have to always invest in individual stocks to get great returns. So remember, I told y'all, I also trade ETFs as well. If I can get an ETF that has a great track record of returning me money, then I can also not only own that ETF, I can trade that ETF, but I can also go look inside that ETF, see where that ETF has the majority of its money at, and then research those companies and think of one of those companies as a company I want to own. 
We trapping or we trapping. You're just bringing on a brick right here. You're just breaking it up. Like my goal is to help you play the game and play the game with confidence, not just guess at the game. Because when we play the game with confidence, we can win the game. When we guess at the game, we put in the market in the house favor and we always lose that way. I'd rather hit base hits than to try to swing for the fences and strike out more and get lucky. You can get lucky. You can get lucky. But if I can consistently hit a base hit, I'm going to make more money than you. Because if you hit a home run in game one and don't hit another home run in game 50, yeah, you did hit the home run. And you may have hit a game win a home run. But I promise you, when people look at my batting average, they're going to say, that's what I'd rather go with. Because even though he going to hit a home run or she going to hit a home run, Trap going to get me on base. And that's I'm good with that. Y'all with me? I'm okay with you being a base hitter. So now when somebody comes to you saying, man, you missed that 50% retirement. Like, I ain't missed nothing. I got on base. I got on base. Let's go a little further. So watch this. This is important, right? So Tesla is the most wanted car in the world, but go a little further. Go a little further. Go back one. So what happened was Tesla faces a federal probe over... Over 2,800 Teslas have had accidents. I'm sorry, 28,000. The Model Y, the Model 3, one person, three people had accidents where the steering wheel froze up on them. They ran off the road. Um, we trust them goddamn robots. <laughs> they talk that robot stuff all they want. I'm trying to turn right. they like, abort. No, get... Give me the will. Give me the will. Release. Release. That's, you know, even though it's the most demanded car in the world right now, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm kind of fearful of the AI situation simply because I understand at some point the robot going to think he's smarter than me because of the, the information that's inside the robot. And I don't know if I can beat the robot, especially if I'm in the car. What if he decide to lock the doors? Now I'm stuck. You unlock the doors. And I ain't just got a sledgehammer on my side to break the window. Now I'm stuck. I'm in a car pissed off. I can't hit the gas or the brake or nothing. <laughs> Yo, don't let me out. What? Jose, I needed that right here. Yo, don't let me out. I'm over here talking about. I'm in a bind, Nate. Some other time. <laughs> I really need this man. I'm in a bind, Nate. God damn, Tesla locked me in this car. Now I'm mad at Elon and everybody else. So just be mindful of that, man. You know, these cars gonna have. I'm not, I'm not, even though I'm not scared of AI, I am like, yo, this is crazy. Go a little further. Go a little further. Well, this is me just showing y'all a map of everywhere it's red at, that is where Tesla is in the highest demand. Everywhere it's red at. That's a lot of red. I ain't set tripping. If you got it, you got it. If you didn't, don't even try to think about it. That's all right. So all my people was bragging. <laughs> Big and back being boo, you heard me? <laughs> all right, let's go a little further, man. I love y'all, man. Oh, so this came out today, and I'm not going to lie. This was real good. This is real good. So a couple weeks ago, I talked to y'all about Gucci. The company is called a caring group. 
they bought our creed. Maybe like four or six weeks ago, they brought creed to Cologne. And uh, no matter how you feel about it, it's not a great stock, but they just playing the asset game. So Gucci now just buys a 30% stake in Valentino. Um, the stake is worth $1.9 billion. The company owns St. Laurent and Balenciaga. Its last purchase was the fragrance Creed. Watch this. This is Google. I mean, this is Gucci's first step with the partnership of, uh, I don't want to mess their name up, but I think it's Mehola, um, the owner of Valentino, as well as Bowman. So watch this. Don't be surprised if Gucci ends up owning Bowman as well. They also have the option to buy the entire company by 2028. So they bought 30% of it worth 1.9 billion. And by 2028, they have the option to buy the whole entire company. This will now put Gucci, Balmain, St. Laurent, Balenciaga, Creed, and Valentino under their brand. This now puts them in position to compete with LVMH, who owns what? Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, Fendi, and the Dior, uh, and a lot of other companies. So they playing an asset game, y'all. This game is all about ownership. And the problem is the people around us will tell us like, yo, them five stocks you own ain't nothing. Well, it's five right now, but in a year it's going to be 15. In two years it's going to be 20. In three years it's going to be 50, 100. And you still going to be where you at and my net worth going to be done increasing yours ain't. And here's the thing, because I'm from New Orleans, I had to make sure I said worth because I'll just say net worth and people be like, you got to know the difference between net worth and net. I'll be like, I said it. I just, I just ain't said it TH like you want me to say it. I want us to understand that the net worth game is a game that not only we have to play, but we have to dominate. But We're not playing the game to compete with nobody. The goal for me is to consistently add to my net worth. So if Mark Zuckerberg can make 12 billion in a day, if Elon Musk can make 15 billion in a day, if this Gucci company can go by 30% of this company, I don't got to create the companies. I can just own pieces of the company and increase my network while they're increasing theirs. They can do all the acquisitions and I can just take ownership of them. When I play this game, it's not about me trying to be the, the most smartest person. It's saying that for the longest, America has done everything in its power to create opportunities for America to become wealthier, while the people who are who America's supposed to represent only becomes poorer. I'm going to keep it real with y'all. Like, it's only a top 10% of America that owns 90% of the assets. That's a huge imbalance. And while, don't get me wrong, while racism is a thing, racism is a low-level game. Classism is the game that they play. Classism is the game. While people around here fighting over color and people fighting over the flag and people fighting over this, everything that the United States stands for ain't nothing about America United right now. And I'm not saying I'm going to move nowhere else. I'm, that's not my thing. What I am saying is if we don't start playing a game the same way that the people playing the game, we're going to keep on arguing about the game. If you're going to keep complaining about the game instead of being in the game, I'd rather be in the game, making money in the game so I can get us together and make money so we can start lobbying and we can stop protesting. You feel me? When I talk about renegotiating the contract, I'm saying, let's go look at the rule book and let's see what we signed up for inadvertently. 
and let's tear that up and say, this is the game I'm playing now. So if Apple going to be, if Amazon or Microsoft going to be the next $3 trillion company, guess what? When they become a $3 trillion company, I'm going to increase my net worth by a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars, or a couple million dollars. The choice is yours. But what I will not do is allow you to keep on adding these values and these evaluations and these trillions and these billions to your network while I'm still sitting here working for money. It's all about us changing our perspective. It's all about us seeing people play the game and know that we belong in the game. A lot of us don't understand that we don't believe that we belong in the game. We keep saying, well, I don't really mess with the stocks, but why not? You go to work every day. You, you, you're an entrepreneur. You're figuring your business out every day. Whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're somebody that works a job every day, the most important decision you will ever make for yourself is how much of my money will I let work for me instead of me working for it. And once you make that decision, I promise you, you're going to change the game. Let's go left first. Y'all be hearing how Tootie be coming in? It's my dog, man. All right, so let me do this right quick, man. This is Trap's position to close the year out strong. Watch this. Don't let FOMO guide your investments. Why did I say that? Because all this episode here today was about, it was about me showing you data that you can use strategically to guide you to make better investment decisions. Did we or did we not do that? Focus on fundamentals, focus on cash flow, and focus on dividends. These are the things how great companies give shareholder value. If we can get shareholder value, we can get better returns. If we can get better returns, we can make a whole lot of more money. Let's go a little further. I love Tootie and Jose for coming up with this. All right, man. So this is Flush It Up, Flip It. This is an amazing part of our show that everybody loves. You got y'all, y'all got y'all papers? Y'all got y'all papers? All right. So here's what I want y'all to do. If we flush it, we flush it. If we flip it, we flip it. All right. First is Uber. Watch this. The company is finally on pace to being a profitable company. Um, it's actually when it comes to ride share, when it comes to Uber Eats, those things are definitely driving the business. It is not going to be a competitive industry. This company will dominate. I said that when the company was $17, people didn't listen to me. Now the company is up to $40-something. Everybody like, damn, trap. What are you talking about? Hey, it happens. It happens. So Uber, Jose, we flushing up flipping. Oh, y'all serious? We're going to flip it. All right, so watch this. Next company is Elf. Now, this is a beauty supply company. Um, it's not as big as Ulta Beauty, but they are definitely impacting. They are definitely, they've increased online sales. They've increased the makeup department. The fundamentals aren't the best. The management aren't the best, but the company is returning. Elf, are we flushing it up, flipping it? I like what y'all are doing. We're going to flush it. 
All right, man, next, man. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to be emotional about this. If y'all don't say the right thing, I'm cutting the show right now. PayPal. So listen, the company has definitely taken a beating over the last couple of years. The story did change about the business um, with companies like Apple, with companies like SoFi stepping into the fintech space. Even though they still have the best balance sheet, they still have the best management team. They definitely need some more growth. I don't see where they can grow at, but I definitely see the company being here, but I don't know if they're going to be the leader of the fintech space. I'm still buying it. Y'all know at $58, we bought another 100 shares and we say we ain't running it no more. We're going to let it do what it do. PayPal, flush it up, flip it. I'm in a bind, Nate. Some other. They had me in a bind just now. Hey, I don't like y'all, man. Amazon, we just talked about this Goliath, man. This is a strong. And Jose like, wait, Trevor got to put it in the chat. My bad, bro. Damn. We going to flip. We going to flip Amazon. I ain't going to lie to you. All right. So Amazon reports this week. Also, man, the biggest company in America right now, Apple. Remember, man, 1.7 billion users. Uh, iPhone sales. I'm looking to see if iPhone sales are going to increase. I'm looking to see if service is going to increase. It's a sticky company. Great CEO. I think Tim Cook is probably the best CEO of our era, not from a creative perspective, but from running a business. Right. I don't think he's I don't think he's a genius as the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musk, but I think he can run a business better. And that's up for debate. It's just my personal perspective. Apple, Jose, we flushing it up, flipping it. Yeah, yeah. I. Block, better known as Square, um, Jack Dorsey has decided that he wants to leave Twitter. He left Twitter. He's totally focused on Square. He put a lot of energy into Bitcoin. Um, that's not really working. Just right now, overall, for what they're trying to do with the business, um, I do think it can grow, but I don't like it's not profitable. They don't have a profitability date. And I'm just not a fan of it. Flush the flipping. In the toilet. <laughs> All right. DraftKings. Listen. The sports betting world is going crazy. Um, the way that they are marketing and branding this company is, is phenomenal. Like, they are every, even a podcast that's not really big got DraftKings ads in it. You feel me? Even the the fights that we don't even watch. They rep. I was watching the fight this week. They was on the thing. And sports betting has increased around the world. The biggest season is going to be football season. Football season coming up. Flush it up, flip it. What is it saying in the chat, it?
right, Expedia. Now, watch this. International travel has increased. Uh, what America is saying right now is when travel increases, it tells us that the everyday person has more money that is disposable. Um, all airline stocks have increased uh, customers. All gates have increased. Profitability and bottom um, top line has increased. More people are just traveling right now. Expedia, flush it or flip it. So I'm thinking short term right there. Not long term, but I think short term, they're going to make some money. All right. Right now we have Norwegian Cruise. Now, same boat as Expedia, um, even though Carnival has a, had a great earnings call. Norwegian didn't have such a great earnings call. The stock is still up big. Uh, more people are taking cruises. I think they just put out one of the biggest cruise ships in the game. Norwegian Cruise, flush it or flip it. We flushing them, y'all. I really think y'all be vibing with this part of the show, yeah. When I bought this, when I came up with this, Jose was like, you got one, dog. All right, man, Robinhood, right? So I'm not really a fan of the, the company itself, but I don't, now I don't mind like the newer investor using it. I don't like the business model, but they are evolving. They are creating new things, but I'm not still a fan of it. They still are at a loss. The company is not profitable. Uh, Robinhood, I'm going to take my bias off, but Robinhood, flush it up, flip it. Y'all so damn good. Come here, let's run the beat one more time. The intro, I like it. Tootie and Jose came over there, y'all. Where you get the gold toilet from, bro? Thought you was in uh, Saudi Arabia somewhere. Thought you was in Dubai. All right, so right here, we're going to do this. We're going to take four people up front. We got the mics up. Do we got their mics up? Let's get their mics up. So we're going to do four people right quick. One of the things I'm going to do is because I'm confident in my knowledge. If you in the VIP exit, y'all get to ask me a question live, y'all. How y'all feel about that? Now, usually we'll, if you're in a group or something, we'll let you do it. But because y'all, you know, part of the VIP experience, one of the things we know people got is a lot of questions for trap. So I'm going to do my best to give y'all an answer. I will say this. Keep it at one question. Second of all, I don't, I don't want to sound rude, but this ain't the time to tell me the life story. Man, trap, I've been robbed with you since 2016. I got laid off. My wife was like, you need to. I was about to walk out of the house. I had my bags. But I heard Trap say, and then when I just came back, I still, I, it ain't, not today. Not, not today. Don't put me in that bind. All right, let's go. Jose, pick him out. Let's go. Hey, Trap. I just want to let you know I pray for you faithfully because, like you say, this is a revolution. My question is, um, I have about 70% of my financials in index funds. 
I was thinking about moving about 30 to 35% of it to value stocks. Mainly Facebook, Netflix, and Amazon. What do you think? Do you think that's, I don't want to be too conservative. I want to play a little risk. I want to ride the train up. But I don't want to. I don't want to crash. <laughs> so, what is your advice for me? Um, so that's a good question. So, Netflix and Amazon wouldn't be value stocks of Facebook. They have a good value, but they wouldn't be value. So, you you are taking on risk with those for sure. Value you would be more like Caterpillar. Value would be more like your even Apple because it's no longer looked at as a tech stock. It's looked at as a consumer discretionary company. Right. So those are more your value plays. Um, a company like um, those are value plays for you. Right. So if you want to do that, I don't mind you. I would say this. So let's look at 100 percent of your money. I want you to say, first of all, let me say this. I'm not a financial advisor for you, Jerry. <laughs> Nothing I say is for you to take uh, directly. Right. You take this with a grain of salt for my safety. Because I don't want you saying, trap told me. Nah, I done shut trapping Tuesday down. Dave Ramsey going crazy on me now. I got the people that be telling people that everybody, I told y'all he was a scam. He told the lady to do that. The lady, not, you DMing the people, showing the people that I said this. Don't do me that. All right? So this is information, but it's edutainment. All right? And this is a what would trap do moment. All right? What would I do? So what I would do is, let's say if I had 100% of my money, I would probably put 20% of my money in cash in the account always ready for me to execute with. So I want you to get familiar with putting that money in there so you're going to always execute. If you're going to go to 70%, I ain't mad at you. You can keep the index funds. You say index funds, right? You can keep, you can keep about, I would do about, because you kind of, I don't know the expertise level, but I would say at least keep 40% of it in your indexes simply because you still have a base. Right? Now you got a base. So... And I don't mind you going with, instead of the three, I don't mind you doing Facebook. I don't mind you doing Amazon or Netflix. Um, you being a little risk averse because you're saying you want to be a little safer. I would, I would swap out the Netflix for something that's not in technology, something that's more medical because now you find a better base, but I'm not mad at you for that. The reason why I'm saying that is because even though Apple is not looked at as a tech stock, still moves like them. So the market still plays it the same way. So if you're still going to go Facebook, Netflix, I would take Netflix out just because the writers right now are on strike. Um, so you you may can't bear that pain. And I will go somewhere like defense or I will go somewhere like med- healthcare. I think that would be a good place. So I will go because you already got two. I will go two st- tech, one defense or one medical with your index funds. Now you got you got a ball playing. God damn. That boy is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, let's go, Jose. And don't get mad at me. Don't DM me like, chap. Man, Jose, trip man. Eat. Don't do me that. I'm just telling him go with his move. I'm trusting him. Thank you. Um, I have a retirement fund, and I want to not play um, safe with it. Um, yes. Because one of them sat for 15 years with a company and gained nothing. 
So I'm pulling on the, uh, the last uh, retirement fund from one of the company I've worked. It's probably worth like 80,000. So what would be the best company to put it in? Um, I want to be risky. First of all, I don't want you to, don't be saying how much money you got. <laughs> you in Atlanta. <laughs> Make sure we block her face out on the thing, Jose. All right. Uh, oh, that was good. Retirement. We want to be a little risky. So I will say we're going to be a little risky. <sighs> risky. Plus future. So if I wanted to say I wanted to be a little risky, but I still wanted to get a good return on it, I would say, ah, oh, man. All right, first of all, this is, <laughs> I hate doing this because he was going to hold me accountable. It ain't my money. Um, retirement, but I, I like what you said, though. First you said, Trap, like I want to be a little risky. I want to take a little risk, but also it's my retirement. So I want you to, I want you to understand something. I want you to take calculated risk because you worked hard for that money. And even though the people didn't give you the return on the money like you wanted to, I don't want you to be risky where you feel like I'm gonna blow it. Or just because they don't feel like you gotta take high risk to get a good return. Right? So what I'll do is I'll take the 80, I'll split it. I'll take the 80 and split it. I'll find not necessarily a specific stock, but I'll find a large cap growth stock. So I'm talking about, I will go somewhere like Tesla because it's going, I will go Tesla, I will go NVIDIA, I will go um, Eli Lilly, somewhere like that, because those type, the reason why I will go Eli Lilly somewhere like that is because they have so many drugs in the pipeline where once those drugs hit and they got a good, they have a good track record of turning, taking drugs from phase two to phase three, which means they have a good track record of putting good dope on the market. Don't take that the wrong way. You feel me? They have a good track record of doing that. Um, Tesla because, Tesla and Vidi because they're the type of stocks when they fall, they fall, but when they run, they run. It's the type of stocks that when they fall, They'll give you 10, 15, 20%, but then they'll run for three weeks in a row. Um, another one that I like is a company that I've been on real heavy, C-E-L-H. Great company. But also, I want you to go do this. I want you to look at this medical device ETF. It's called I-H-I. I want you to go in there and I want you to look up those companies in there. Those are great medical device companies. The reason why I love that, that's how I got on a couple of medical device companies, because you will find some boring businesses, but you will find some businesses that have great returns. You'll find businesses that's in that industry where when the customers of that industry are customers who will always need those supply. Right. The reason why I love Eli Lilly is because once a person gets on insulin, they need insulin for the rest of their life. Now, you can judge me all you want, but I understand people in America don't like to take care of their health. 
And I'm not being opportunistic, but I'm in the game of returns. If you ain't going to take care of your health, I'm going to go with the company that's going to do their best to keep you alive. So I will, I will look, I will look in not so much as an individual company. I will look in industries that have high supply, demand, and also great returns, which is information technology, which is artificial intelligence, which is med tech. So med tech is medical technology. That makes sense? I just smoked that. Let's go, Jose. Trap. Trap, you 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 going long-winded on this. We got one more. All right. <laughs> DJ D dub on that side. Give me two more. Two more? Yeah. All right. It's good, Trap. What's good, family? What mental hurdles are you still overcoming, if any, in the market and those hurdles reflecting in your daily life? Say it again, King. What mental hurdles are you still overcoming, if any, in the market? Mental hurdles. Yes, sir. Okay. And are those hurdles reflecting in your daily life as well? Like, you know okay. how the market, the better you get with, the more you see it reflecting in your daily life. All right. So first, what mental hurdles? Yes, slow sir. it down for me a little bit. What mental hurdles are you still overcoming? Stop right there. Stop right there. What mental hurdles am I still overcoming? All right. Next. Yes, in the market, if any. What's the last part? In the market. Okay. So what mental hurdles am I still overcoming in the market? Yes, sir. Okay. That's a good question. Um, I think at this point now, what happens is because I'm now in the, I'm in the scale part of my uh, investment career. So now the goal for me is to make a, uh, take the information that I see and make bigger plays. So I started now, I'm at a, I'm now taking better risk in the small cap space. Um, So the risk for me is um, I'm still totally understanding. I know that the movement is there and I know that small caps outperform large caps when the market is running. So the mental hurdle for me is still understanding the, what, what's the difference, the differentiator in why the small cap move specifically more than a large cap, right? And, and that's a hurdle in itself because I don't like to too much invest what I don't understand. I understand it, but there's still some nuances that I need to be in. And what happens is now that I have, I make small caps 5% of my portfolio, I want to get it up to 20% because of the return. So I need to, un- I need to understand it more. And that's a mental thing for me. The next thing is, as you take on more leverage, so as I go from going to 40 contracts to 80 contracts, the only thing that has to change, the data and the information and the process is still the same. The thing that has to change now is the my emotional and mental capacity to pull the trigger because now I'm not leveraging 100,000. I may be leveraging 250,000. And as much as I tell y'all, it's a mental thing. It is because now this is now more money than I've ever put in one play not from a buy and hold perspective, but from a option perspective. And that's all emotional and mental. So my biggest play just now was 40 shares, 40 options contract. The information was there, but I had to make sure, like I, I didn't second guess myself, but I, I made sure like, yo, this it. You know what I'm saying? And, and scalability is not about information, it's mental and emotional. So it's making sure, watch this, my mental and emotional state is matching the data so that I can pull a trigger. Does that make sense? Come on, man. God, let's go one more, Jose. One more, one more. Who we got on this side? I saw my man. I like that balance, too. How y'all feeling? 
Alright, good, good, good. Let's go with it. Hey, Trap. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, brother. All right. Uh, I want to dive into your uh, the Trapper methodology a little bit. Ooh. What's your What's your framework around taking profit and allocating it either into a position where you want to get your cost bases down or getting into a position because there's an opportunity to buy? Um, if you had two, let's say you had 100% profit and you had $1,000 and your cost basis was low on Apple, but Microsoft is on a discount. How would you take that $5,000 and reinvest in both Apple and Microsoft or would you invest in one or the other? What's your framework around that? Good, I like it. That's a great question. So basically you asked me if I'm, how do I, how do I take profit to either enter a new position or lower my cost basis, right or wrong? Am I right? Good. That's a great question. Jose, these are some good questions, man. All right. So my, my framework behind that, and I can tell you've been rocking with me because we talk about frameworks. That's my thing. So my framework around that is simple. Um, I always know I say sell the eggs, not the goose. Right. So the framework for me is it's not so much as a dollar amount. What is the percentage that I want that company to make up of the portfolio? Does that make sense? Like move away from how much money and gravitate to what's the percent, because the bigger the percent is, the more it moves the needle in your account. And you can do that by just going to whatever platform you're using and it'll show you asset allocation. So one of the things I always ask myself is how much of this do I want to own from a percentage basis? Because the bigger the percentage, the more it's going to dictate my return. Does that make sense? So I'm moving there first. The next thing is when I'm taking a profit, I never take profit to sit in my account. If it's a buy and hold, I'm taking the profit to move into a position. So I'm never going, it depends on where the next opportunity is and where it's at on my list of um, likability. Meaning, let's say I had a portfolio as Apple was my number one stock and let's say Amazon is the number two. Let's see, um, Malibu Boats is number three. Let's see, uh, Chipotle is number four. So my goal then would say, if I'm going to take profit from Apple, where are the two, three, four, and five at from a perspective of discount? So if Amazon is on a discount and Chipotle is on a discount and Amazon is my bigger position, I'm going to go to my bigger position because it's my big, it's my second biggest position for a reason. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to go from my second position to my fifth position if the second position has the better opportunity. Am I making sense? So it's based on not dollar amount, but percentage wise that it makes up of my portfolio because that's going to drive my second position, going to drive my portfolio more than my fifth position. It's my fifth position for a reason. You feel me? The person coming off the bench is coming off the bench for a reason. It's because I feel like the five players that's in front of him or her are better, but it's not saying that the sixth position isn't good, but these other five positions are better. So I want to feed them before I feed it. God. <laughs> that makes sense? All right, man, let's go, man. Let's go. Where we at now? 
All right, so let's go to this road track right quick. Y'all know I like to talk about this. I found a good one right here. A lot of people sent it to me, but it was already on my list. Let's go to it. So it said, F the jewelry. I'd rather buy land and invest successfully. I got all type of stocks and bonds. I forgot how to say this name. Kendi Wiley on my wall, and I'm going to pass it to my son. So Savage said this. And the reason why this was dope for me was because I realized that financial literacy is becoming a huge part of the culture. And because it's becoming a huge part of the culture, for me, once we start learning how to play the money game, we start realizing that jewelry is not as valuable as we think it is. Even if you buy diamonds, once you walk out the store, you can't sell the diamonds back to the diamond seller for the same price. So for me, when he say, I'd rather buy land and invest successfully, I got all type of stocks and bonds. So land, stocks, bonds, Kendi Wally is an artist that makes up, that makes realistic art. So even those things are worth more than the jewelry. I'm going to wear this Apple Watch a lot of the times. Don't get me wrong. I do own a Rolex, but I bought it for 70000 It's now worth 84000 But I wear this Apple Watch more than anything because it does the same thing. And I'm going to be real with us. Most of us don't even look at our watch for the time. I got the Rolex and it still tell the wrong time. If you ask me what time it is, I'm going to pick the phone up. You'll be like, chap, you got a Rolex on, man. Get out of my business. <laughs> and it's real. I just don't know. That ain't, I ain't trusting it. You got to catch me on the two times of the day that it might be right. You feel me? But this is more important to me because I take more pride in wearing this because I own over 600 shares of it. I take more pride in wearing this because I own over 600 shares of it. You feel me? I take pride in winning. Which is why I'm going to always get on the Android people. <laughs> but I take pride in winning. I take pride in um, wearing, like I got these Christian Dior's on, but I own LVMH. I own 600 shares of it. L-V-M-U-Y. I take pride in wearing and consuming the stuff that I own a lot of because I don't feel like a consumer. I feel like an owner. It's the same reason why Warren Buffett at every meeting, what he got in the front of him, Coca-Cola. He been owning it for 25 years. Every Berkshire Hathaway meeting, he going to have a Coca-Cola in front of him. And that's a real different game. I'm a market what I own. And so when I see people saying that, when stuff like that, like I own 40 acres of land. That was strategic for me. That was important for me. Because when you start playing an ownership game, you start playing a different game. So when I see stuff like this that say, you know, we ain't worrying about the jewelry. Here's what I learned. Every time, and I don't have nothing against it. I do, but it ain't my fault to say have nothing against it in the front. But I have a problem with when we see people with all the jewelry on and they don't own no stocks. And so we are wealthy with things, but not wealthy with assets. And that's a problem for me. Because that tells me that we are comfortable with looking rich, but being broke. And watch what I'm about to tell you. 
Even if you got a lot of physical money, you still broke because that's a depreciating asset. If you ain't making that liquid money, if you ain't, what's my saying? A dollar that ain't moving? A dollar that ain't moving is a dollar that's losing. So while you looking at your money in your account every day, what you ain't realizing that is that money is losing purchasing power. And some of us got a bad habit of being cool with looking at the money. I don't got to look at it. I needed to be doing somersaults. So that's how I will try for the day, man. All right, so here's my wild word from the OG, and I want to I wanna really get into this right quick. I have a fundamental belief that if one of us can make a million, all of us can make a million. If one of us can make a million, all of us can make a million. What happens when we make making millions our new norm? A wealthy friend of mine once said that you ain't really made it till you had $10 million. And from a, from a perspective, I looked at him like, you crazy. Bro, I was homeless before. A million dollars is the standard until you make a million dollars. And you think a million is a lot until you get around somebody that spend a million just to bring their taxes down. And you start to realize that they playing a different game. But the reason why they telling you that 10 million should be the norm is because they understand that it's so easy to run through a million. With so much division in America, with so much division in this so-called United States, I, the Wall Street traveler, feel a deep-hearted conviction, a deep-hearted responsibility, and an overwhelmingly accountability to fertilize my community and my culture with the knowledge, the tool set, but most importantly, the mindset that it takes to leave the plantation. And the reason why I say the plantation is because one of the things that really hurt my heart was when the slaves had the opportunity to leave the plantation, they didn't have the confidence to walk over. Some of them stayed. They stayed because even though they wanted freedom, they feared the unknown. And a lot of us won't take that leap to the unknown because we're comfortable and what we know. But for the longest, what we know has only got a subpar result. Subpar results. But not only do you deserve the freedom, but you deserve the territory that already has your name on it. The problem is you got to go get the territory. You got to go possess it. I don't remember what it was in the Bible, but God told Joshua that. He said, the territory already got your name on it. Y'all just got to go possess it. I already gave it to you. Abundance, wealth, freedom is all of our birthright. 
It doesn't discriminate who can buy stocks. It doesn't discriminate who can buy real estate. You got to just have the idea, the tenacity, and the mental fortitude to go get it. Money is not a goal, it's a tool. It's a tool, it's the muscle that takes us from where we are and it plants us to the life where we want to be. And I promise you this, once you taste the freedom, once you get the feel for having a few million, you understand that what you've been missing out your whole life. And I told my people this last night and I hope they got it. I said, wealth isn't necessarily a dollar amount, it's a freedom amount. It's not a dollar amount. Because I know some successful entrepreneurs that if they don't make millions of dollars a year, they're going to be broke. CNBC just put out a, a thing the other day that said 62% of millionaires live check to check. 62% of millionaires live check to check because here's what happens. Once we make the money, we upgrade our lifestyle. And here's the hardest thing for a lot of people to realize. When you're making a lot of money, now you got opportunity to buy all the things that you always wanted. And here's the crazy part. Once you buy all the things you always wanted, now you broke and you realize you ain't really wanted it. You just had a lust for it. There's a difference. There's a difference between going in a store knowing I can buy what I want, but I decide to go invest in what I want because the desire to buy what I want gonna go away once I bought it. If you think I'm lying, how many times have you bought the shoes, you bought the bag, you bought whatever it was, and then after you got it, you're like, you know what? It ain't really mean that much to me. How many of us got stuff sitting in our closet we ain't never wore? We keep saying, I ain't got nothing to wear. You got the shoes you always wanted. You wore one time, you said, it ain't all that. My queens, you bought the soul cates and then you say, man, them thing hurt my feet. America will never stop putting things in our face for us to buy. We got to just have the discipline to say, I can buy it, but I don't want it because I'd rather invest it. And once we gravitate, once we shift to that mindset, I promise you the game will change and you will unlock something in your life that is, you didn't know you had, and you will realize why the wealthy stay wealthy and the poor stay poor. And I always say this, and I'm gonna end with this tonight. The poor live check to check, the rich live year to year, the wealthy live generation to generation. And so I ask you, how many generations will you put in place before you leave this earth? Man, she bought a Wall Street Trapper, episode 54 is out. Let's kill it. <laughs>